Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show. I've got a special treat today. An old friend of ours, Ted Balaker, who has produced uh, some great movies like uh, Little Pink House. And uh, can, can can anyone take a joke, right? I've got that right. I, <laughs> yeah, can we take a joke? Yeah, we went, we went through a couple a iterations. That right. <laughs> right <laughs> you got the beginning and the end right that's all i care about <laughs> yeah you know ted i mean i i remember seeing something i mean this is a long time ago completely uh unrelated topic but um there was a study done that said if you misspell words but you get the first and last letter right most people <laughs> most people won't notice it right <laughs> that's true yeah i think so <laughs> There you yeah. go. <laughs> you nailed it then. <laughs> Can we take a joke? Uh, of course, Ted's done a lot of great stuff. He was over at Reason for quite a long time. Now, though, he's got his own uh, he's got his own tent up, the Shiny Herd Substack, which you just started, right, Ted? Just started, yeah. Thursday, this Thursday. It is uh, it is shiny in that it's new as well. Yeah. Very new. And and we got a lot to talk about here too. And um You've been taking a look at what's been going on at the um, Sundance Festival and some other film festivals about um, about the openness to messages in some of these film festivals. And um, and this is becoming a real problem in terms of the creative uh, creative freedom within the film entertainment industry. Uh, your your first your first um, shiny herb shiny herd substack other than the introduction is why you'll be watching fewer problematic movies and why that's a problem I should add Ted tell us a little bit about what you're seeing and what the dangers are here yeah well uh, like you mentioned I um, uh, I, I lead it with with that article and it, it focuses as you mentioned on the Sundance uh, film festival which um, folks may know is is perhaps the shishiest around um there may may be others like can or tiff that have that could lay claim to the most elite film festivals but um what's important here is that it's not just uh, a place for film snobs and i you know i look i love independent film that's what i watch most of the time that's what my wife and i tend to make um but um it, what happens um at these places like sundance affects what we watch on Netflix, Prime Video, in movie theaters, because um, these elite film festivals are are actually these days mostly uh, buyers markets. So it's very, it's less about let's have complicated conversations about film like you would find maybe at a film school, although these maybe, I should say maybe a film school 20 years ago or something. Um, uh, and it's more about let's sell this product. And so these festivals are um, kind of a pipeline to Netflix, um, one of the pipelines, I should say. And what we've seen throughout the years, especially since 2020, is that they have become more reluctant to feature films that have what they would call problematic content. Now, in my article, I go through the difference between what's controversial and what's problematic because um my article refers to a variety art a variety the the trade publication and there it was it was interesting because they the author there framed the issue as film festivals are steering clear of controversial content and what i pointed out is like no 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 they're not steering clear of controversial content per se they love controversy as long as it offends the right people 
and right. doesn't offend the wrong people. So, for instance, at the very last minute, they they allowed uh, a feature documentary called Justice, which goes through the accusations against Supreme Court Justice uh, uh, Kavanaugh again. And um, according to reviewers, it it brought forth no new revelations. These reviewers, who themselves are very left leaning, called it basically a non event. And you have to say, well, you know, this was. You know, this was very controversial to certain parts. You know, this movie, many people in America would find this movie very controversial. Um, and Sundance allowed it at the last minute, too. It's very, very difficult to get into Sundance. And to, to, so to get an invitation at the very last minute, you've got to be a very special film, or, or so you would think. And so um, this film is controversial, but it's not problematic because it's because it annoys and offends the right people and steers clear of uh, annoying and offending the wrong people. You have to you have to ask yourself, would Sundance make such special provi provisions for a, an equally good film about the Kavanaugh controversy had it been from a different point of view, one perhaps more sympathetic to Justice Kavanaugh? Yeah, or I mean, we could take a look at, you know, films that might have something critical to say about Joe Biden, right? Or films that might have something critical to say about Barack Obama. I mean, if it was Donald Trump, it would get in. I don't know that it wouldn't get in uh, if it was something about Biden or, or Obama, but I suspect that it'd be there'd be less inclination for this. And this is, I mean... This is actually kind of a subtle issue, and I think you you underscored this here too. Is that there's still no short uh, shortage of materials for people to to watch at these film festivals. There's still, I think you said uh, about a hundred feature films at Sundance, and and these other festivals will have fewer than that because just because. But there's still plenty of feature films to to uh, to you know put on. The difference, though, is that the perspectives of these are, are getting narrower and narrower. And I would argue that the number of films at these festivals tends to obscure the fact that what they're actually getting is less in terms of cultural reach. Exactly. So on the on the one hand, um, they these films would be very diverse. They come from filmmakers who look very different um, from from each other, uh, from all over the world on lots of lots of different topics. But when it comes to hot button topics, a lot of the ones that are, are most important these days and most talked about everything from environmental issues like climate change, certainly to racism, sexism, all the, all the issues that you may be uncomfortable to bring up in a dinner conversation. <laughs> um, those are often the ones that are at this at the heart of what our most pressing problems are and our inability to speak frankly about those issues means that it's going to be a lot harder to fix any problems that have to do with those issues. So this is not just, on the one hand, it's very easy to frame this as, oh, it's just an elite film festival filled with independent film buffs. Uh, and so it's not that big of a deal, but you know, that's what people said about colleges for many years. Right. And uh, when we when we released Can We Take a Joke, that was in 2016. It feels like a completely different world because we actually initially had a very hard time 
pitching that film to distributors. Uh, eventually, Samuel Goldwyn picked it up, and it turned out really well. But but initially, they were saying, "Oh, come on, this stuff. It, you know, it sounds crazy, of course, but it's it's just going to be." at a few uh, college campuses, and it's never going to spill over into society at large. Well, we all know how that story ended. It's, it's not only did it spill into society, just it keeps spilling and spilling. And these uh, film festivals are just so much like colleges these days in, in the way that they address issues, in the way that they, they kind of have a skin deep version of diversity. Uh, where they they're really interested in diversity of, of gender, of race, of uh, national origin, and so forth. But you talk about uh, diversity of ideas, diversity of viewpoints, and no, 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 uh, they can't have that. If it's about climate change, it must toe this line. If it's about uh, America, it must toe this line. Now there there may be some variations within that, but um, it's sort of like the New York Times. You know, for every for every one article that they have with kind of an, uh, you know, a heterodox point of view, there are, there are many, many more that support uh, the, the kind of monoculture worldview. Well, also, Ted, I mean, there's another factor going on here, which is that how do you get financing for films that have heterodox points of view? And I mean, it's one thing, we certainly can talk about how the, the film festivals are restricting entry of films that actually get made. But I mean, that sends signals about where people are going to put money into these films, because especially, you know, studios can afford to throw money at stuff when people are financing things independently. Uh, that's difficult to do. It's not easy to do. Sometimes you can be so independent that you just fund it yourself, then you can do whatever you want. But what kind of um, what kind of impact is this having on the funding for independent films that tell heterodox points of view i mean you've made them <laughs> so yeah no that's, that's, yeah it's it's a great point ed and it's it's one that's often overlooked again the, a lot of these issues are very very important but they're easy to overlook especially in in the what i consider to be the rather annoying framing of cancel culture these days we tend to really overlook how pernicious it is and a lot of the really bad stuff is happening uh underneath the uh, water level, so to speak. So it's, it really is uh, kind of the rest. We're talking about literally, not literally, the tip of the iceberg. Um, but to the point about independent film financing, yes, my wife and I, that's, you know, we've had our own production company since 2011. And that's kind of our bread and butter. We 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 uh, finance these film, raise, uh, we raise money for them independently, which is always difficult. But we've, we've had a, a pretty good track record of doing that. But the kicker is, is that uh, if there is an even fundraising for a film is very, very difficult. But if there's an even trickier piece of the puzzle, it's distribution. So you can fund the movie, but then how are people going to see it? And if um, like my wife and I, we we don't what our motto is uh, making important ideas entertaining and another thing that we like to say is don't just preach to the converted. You know, we're very proud of the fact that we've had movies that touch on topics like free speech and private property rights and that they've been um that they've been able to engage people across the political spectrum. So if you want to do what we're doing, distribution is very very difficult. So even if and when you are able to raise six figures or seven plus figures uh for a film, 
you have to figure out, well, how is it going to get to audiences? And, you know, in the early, uh, during the early pandemic times, I was very, I was very immersed in COVID and lockdowns. And I was horrified, like you were, <laughs> what was going on. And I'm like, you know, this is, you know, I'm a filmmaker. Uh, we, and we do documentaries as well as narratives. This, you know, I want to follow this. Uh, I had contacts in, in Sweden, friends there who, as you probably recall, Sweden was taking a very different approach. Right. And so I was very keen on um, trying to raise money to make uh, a COVID documentary that would have a heterodox point of view. But I realized early on that the larger film world would make it very, very difficult such that if we raise the money, I couldn't go to our investors and say we have a good chance of, re of reaching mainstream America because it just didn't seem like that. I was reading the trades and there was every once in a while a new <laughs> COVID documentary was was in was in development and it was kind of like you know of course they're not all the same but they 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 kind of again tend to in general reinforce the same monoculture uh lines and that that was very very frustrating for me because nobody will ever you know except your listeners and us and a few other people will We'll never know about that that documentary that that might have been, and and right. it could have been on Netflix, you know. And those other ones, if they're good, they should certainly be made as well. But it shouldn't be just those, and that's that's what's happening at in the film world. Is again, I go back to the universities because the parallels are stark and they're frightening. Just as we have uh, a lack of any kind of viewpoint diversity on most college campuses. We have that certainly in in the film make in the in the film world as well, and that's it's it's really a shame. Well, and this is actually kind of antithetical anyway to the entire idea of independent film, right? I mean, independent film, at least in its beginning, and really as it matured, was the whole point of that was to tell heterodox stories, was to tell stories that the studios weren't telling or that the mainstream media weren't telling. And, and in the early days that expressed itself in ways that, you know, you know, we're, we're, are, are fairly mainstream now, LGBT stories, right? Uh, you, yeah, the, the LGBT stories were big in independent films because you couldn't get, you know, a Billy's Hollywood kiss made uh, by the studios at that point in time. Um, or, or, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of the one that I, I, I saw, and this is many years ago, um, Chutney Popcorn, which was a, uh, very much a grassroots independent effort by, um, by the woman who actually started, she started it, directed it and stuff like that. And just telling this basically a semi autobiographical story of her, um, uh, of her uh, lesbian lifestyle. And you couldn't make studios wouldn't touch stuff like that, you know? And so it, the whole genre emerges out of the need to tell stories that aren't being told. And now, I mean, from what you're describing, it sounds to me like this is just an auxiliary <laughs> of the same stories that mainstream media is telling uh, already. I mean, it's, it's stultifying, if you will. I mean, it's just, there, there's no, there's no purpose there other than to just reinforce the, the, you know, the dominant narrative. I, I, I think that's a betrayal of what independent film is supposed to be. 
Oh, you're absolutely right. And I, I certainly agree. It, it's very troubling, especially, you know, this is my livelihood. I <laughs> This frustrates me on a daily basis. And my wife and I are always trying to find ways to kind of thread the needle to, to, to work around what this is. And that's part of the reason I started Shiny Herd, the Substack, because um, I, I saw that an industry that had long been narrow-minded um, it became almost downright suffocating after 2020. And and I even I um I've been hemming and hawing about what to do since 2020, really before that, but after 2020, it was just so despicable that I, I thought like I, I have to there's so much that's going on that isn't being reported. And um and people don't really understand the full extent of of really the censorship that's going on there's there's a great chill that's that's going through the film industry and it reverberates through through the whole culture it's it's the same chill that we feel in academia and corporate america uh in journalism and you're exactly right that um the the independent film world has betrayed its purpose much like how academia has betrayed its purpose to the point and i and i mentioned this in in my article um you mentioned LGBT films. Of course, that's that's something like every festival is very keen on that genre these days. But right. even that, the rules are being rewritten so that this um, this gay Latino filmmaker tells Variety that film festival programmers um, rejected his film, his newest film. It's called Waking Up Dead um, because the protagonist, the gay protagonist, exhibits uh, transphobia initially and then you know it's a movie there are character arcs people change and then I, I you know haven't seen the film but apparently then comes around to a different point of view they the programmers didn't like the fact that a gay person was depicted as transphobic because why you know gay people can't have those points of view those biases there's whole, either there's a whole group of of um of lesbians and bisexuals who oppose transgender ideology they even have der a derogatory name from turfs transphobic uh uh transphobic uh forget what the east yeah. is trans exclusionary it's, radical feminists yeah <laughs> trans exclusionary radical feminists right not transphobic yeah. trans exclusionary radical feminists right. right yeah of course that's a point of view and there's an argument to be made there because the the radical feminists are saying you can't <laughs> there there's no there's no definition to feminism if there's no definition to woman I, I, you may not right. agree, but, that, but that point of that right. point of view will not be. I mean, I'm not going to say it's never going to be allowed, but it's it's just it's it's very it's much more difficult. It, it, you're far less likely to see that point of view. I, these days, I would say certainly at these elite film festivals, good luck finding that point of view. Right. So you've got another uh, documentary in in the works here. We got to talk a little bit about that before we we bring this to an end because it's based uh, on a book um, by uh, Greg Lukianoff. We know Greg over at Fire and Jonathan Haidt called H A I D T. Folks, just in case you're not, I think it's pronounced Haidt or something. Height, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Jonathan yeah. Haidt. Yeah. Well, you know, unfortunate pronunciation. <laughs> Sorry about that. The Coddling oh, no. of the American Mind. And tell this is a documentary. So tell us a little bit about right. what you're doing with The Coddling of the American Mind. Yeah. So uh, any listeners who are familiar with, with the best-selling book, it's the same title. It's uh, the, the same. It's I would say it's covering similar ground, except, except that it's more uh, of a story told through the eyes of various 
really extraordinary 20-somethings that, that we have encountered. So we tell their stories. Now, Greg Lukianoff tells his story, his brush with suicide, and how that led him to see uh, a lot of the awful things that were going on on college campuses and how he connected with Jonathan Haidt, who's a social psychologist at uh, NYU. Um, and they they made this book that that really um, made, made a big splash. And um, what they found is that on college campuses and elsewhere, adults are teaching young people to think in ways that make them miserable, to think in ways that make them anxious, depressed, and even suicidal. So that uh, Gen Z, these are not, not millennials. A lot of those of us who are older than uh, you know millennial, we, we tend to think, oh, they're all, if they're younger, they're millennial. No, there's this other generation called Gen Z, um, even younger than millennials. And they are extremely fragile they, and they have very alarming rates of anxiety, depression, and suicide. And these rates of anxiety and depression really shot up uh, around about uh, 2012 or so. And, and, and this, uh, Jonathan talks about this in the book and in the film. It's it's uh, uh, an increase that we haven't seen before. It's very alarming. So anyone who is in Gen Z, or you know, maybe a, uh, you have uh, children or grandchildren in Gen Z, um, I'm very slow to be, you know, alarmist about things. But you have to sound the alarm. If if there really is a fire, you, you <laughs> then an alarm is is warranted. And I think in this case, there is a fire, and the alarm is warranted. So. The film talks about if young people or anyone really uh, holds these these harmful ideas that are taught in colleges and elsewhere, ideas like you are fragile, ideas like always trust your feelings or us versus them, that that the whole that the whole of existence is a struggle between good people and evil people. If you hold these ideas in your head, you're very likely to be miserable. And if you shed these ideas, you're much, much likelier to be happy. So in, in some sense, it's a movie about happiness, how to be miserable <laughs> and then how to be happy. So we talk to young people who have different experiences um, going into kind of the progressive woke worldview and turning around and coming out the other way. And they talk about uh, what it was like. Um, these are very, very uh, wonderful young people uh, I don't think any of them would be, you know, uh, there are uh, one young lady is from Uganda, um, another young man from Nigeria, India. We have some couple uh, American kids, one with autism. And I bring up their backgrounds like that to show that the things that are going on in college um, are often done not exclusively for, but college administrators have a special interest, let's say, in black and brown students and handicapped students. And if what's going on in college is making even them miserable, and I would say especially them miserable, not just miserable, but anxious, depressed, and oftentimes suicidal, then we have a, a, a major, major problem on our hands. So it's the, the movie talks about how to reverse this problem on college campuses and elsewhere. And um, Basically, it shows a way through these stories from these young people how even if you do get trapped in this harmful way of thinking about the world, you can escape. There is hope. Uh, these young people have done it and, and others can as well.
Well, I'm looking forward to this. I mean, I'm not sure if you have a schedule for it to be released. Um, um, or And because uh, like you said, sometimes these are difficult issues to work through. Uh, but I'm hoping it's going to be sometime soon because I think that this is a really urgent matter that requires a lot of attention. Yeah, we don't. We're we're right now in the we're, the movie's done. We're in the midst of figuring out distribution, and um, like I write in my Substack, now it's a very perilous time to be releasing this type of film because yeah. a lot of the gatekeepers who would ordinarily, even just a few years ago, embrace something like this. Um, Maybe, and it's it's hard hard to read their minds, of course, but maybe much more reluctant to. Um, once once it does find distribution, I think even if just a fraction of the many, many news outlets um, that covered the book, uh, if if they cover and pay attention to the film, I think we have you know something quite large could be on our hands here. Um, and and I and I hope that it will help toward to um, get people to, think again about what's going on on college campuses, not just those of us who are already worried, but I'm hoping that it will resonate even with college administrators, uh, people at, at, you know, at high schools, because it starts at high schools and um, in, in earlier as well. And, and frankly, a lot of just parents, you know, I'm a parent too. Um, and it's very easy to slip into this mindset of like, your child is fragile and we have to bubble wrap everything that he that he does. Um, so we're not, you know, without blame as well. Um, but certainly once we know uh, more details uh, with the film, we'll let, we'll let you know, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll let everybody know. Well, I'm hoping you'll let me know because I want to get you back on here and talk about it when it's ready to go. Of course, we'll let you know. All right, good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'll even try to get the I'll even try to get the the name of the film right. You know, <laughs> no, you did, you did. Uh, eventually, eventually. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Can we take a joke? That was that was ages ago. That was that was pre 2020. It feels like a completely different world. So. All right. So. That is The Coddling of the American Mind and hopefully be coming out soon in some place near you. Um, but you can go right now to shinyherd.substack.com. That's uh, shiny and then herd, H-E-R-D.substack.com where you can uh, get Ted's brand new Substack. And I I'm going to add it to my feed reader and I hope that you're going to be updating it quite a bit. And uh, we're going to keep- Isn't Thursday, so- yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna keep getting you back here to talk about these things. <laughs> Sounds good. good. Yeah, yeah. And I should say, yeah. Thanks for the plug, and I should mention that. Yeah, I will be providing updates uh, regarding coddling of the American mind on Shiny Herd. So anybody, any of your listeners who are interested in keeping up with what's going on with the coddling of the American mind, just yeah, head to Shiny Herd, and you will be up to date. All right, Ted Balaker, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Ed. Always a pleasure. Stay tuned for one last message from The Ed Morrissey Show coming up right now. Now that the political infighting is over and the sausage is being made in the House, it's time for Republicans to unite with one cause and fight back against Joe Biden and his radical administration. The GOP has promised to investigate Biden, family corruption, the border, big tech censorship collusion, the origins of COVID, the FBI, and intel agencies' attacks on the American people and more, and it's time to hold them to those promises. Here at Hot Air, we won't let up on holding them accountable. 
We unapologetically fight back against the radical left and squishy rhinos in Congress who fail the people. We bring you the truth and go to war against Biden's woke communist agenda. But we need your help. By becoming a VIP for uh, hotair.com, you can help us in this battle for our country. Just look at the House Democrats leader, Hakeem Jeffries. He's another divisive radical leftist and his communist Sesame Street speech proves it. If Republicans don't halt the Biden agenda and conservative media fails to hold them accountable, it could mean the end of our great country. Join us in the fight. Become a Hot Air VIP member or a VIP Gold member today and use the promo code SAVEAMERICA to receive a 40% discount on your membership. Stand with us and fight to save America. We will never give up. And thank you very much.